Hello and welcome to the Cynic Weekly of the 20th of April 2023. I'm your stand-in host, Barry Gallagher. And as ever, we have the two main men um, on the panel this week. Sir Manny, how are you? I'm good, mate. Thanks for asking. Don't call yourself a stand-in host either. I think we established that you're an upgrade on the regular host. Uh, who is who is listening? So that was a jibe directly at him. <laughs> and Alan, fresh off the boat from Ireland. Um, how was your trip, mate? And how are you? No, I'm all good, mate. Um, had a lovely time away. Nice to see your boys' faces and uh, back to business this week. So no, it was a, a nice wee break. Uh, all good, mate. Brilliant. So I think we'll just get straight into it. Um, we've got a opening question from one of um, the listeners, Stephen. And he's asking, what has been the most important aspect of our domestic success this season? And do we need to make more than just tweaks moving forward to continue this trajectory? Um, Alan, we'll start with you. Yeah, I, I think one of the, I, th- I think to be honest, one of the key things that um, we've got now under Ange, and I think it's been key to our success under previous managers as well, is, is a clarity of clarity of message. The players know exactly what's expected of them um, and largely they've been able to, to reach that standard and the ones that have maybe struggled with it, whether it be because of technical ability or attitude or whatever it might be, they've been moved on and I think it really helps having a clear, defined way you want to play football, almost a vision to say the way we will succeed is by doing X, Y, Z and that can be anything, it can be Long ball football, it can be short, possession based, it could be any number of things, but at least telling players and letting the players know that if they want to succeed and they want to play, they've got to do exactly what you expect. And I think that's what you see with the one kind of central tenet of all successful managers is they're not reactive. It's not a case of, well, we'll see what happens and we'll try in the game. They have a very clear way of playing. Um, it might be very different, but it's a very clear. And it's communicated quite simply to the players. And I think you get that a lot from our players post-match. They talk about exactly what they've done in the week. They talk about the work in training and the standards and what's expected. And I think it all feeds through this clarity of message and a vision that comes, well, quite clearly from the manager. So um, we've had that under previous managers, but very different styles. But we're getting that under Ange now. And I think that's, you know, if you have to boil it down to one thing, I think it's that clarity of message. Yeah, I think that I think that's a great point because um, Lord knows we were crying out for something like that, weren't we? Um, in the season before Ange came in, it seemed like it was just throw as many players or technicians um, to borrow the, the previous incumbent's um, phrase and uh, hope it would work. But I think from the very beginning, Ange, even when it wasn't really working at the start, we could see that there was a clear plan and um, there wasn't much deviation from it. Obviously, I think this season we have seen certain tweaks, even in the game that we'll come on to talk about at the, the weekend. It was Matt O'Reilly mentioned them in the, the post-match interviews, you say, Alan. Um, but yeah, it's, it is really encouraging to, to have this um, sort of formula or uh, philosophy that everyone seems to know their jobs as well. You can see, I don't think I can ever remember the players uh, being so tactically aware, certainly, certainly at Celtic anyway, so it's it's a sort of joy to behold just now. So, Manny, what's your sort of thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, with the manager, he came in and he was very clear that it was his way or you're no longer wanted. And he was very clear on what style of football that he played. I mean, he, he talked about his dad and he talked about the type of football players he liked and the type of football he watched. 
in in many ways because it's worked and because it's it, it's in many occasions been so joyous for us to watch. It's it's easy to forget that you can have a group of players now. I know he's brought in players, um, and he's kind of demanded that they meet his standards and they meet his desires. But when you do that, that doesn't always work. You know, you might have a position where key members of the squad would go, I'm not sure about this guy, I'm not sure about what he's asking us to do. But it's the harmony and the unity of the squad. They all sing off the same hymn sheet when they're speaking. Now, part of it's that kind of general football player answers that, that are kind of almost kind of just generics sometimes. But it's not always like that because what does come through, even if some of the answers are kind of this, the things you would expect, it's that desire and that will to work for the manager, that understanding that you're part of something here, that you're part of of not a project, that's the wrong word, but you're part of a plan, you're part of an upward trajectory and everyone seems bought in, you know, it's not like there's there's much dissent or anything like that. People talk about the standards and talk about what you need to do to achieve at this football club. You don't hear anybody saying, I deserve a, a place in this team or I think I should be playing or, you know, I, I'm sitting kicking my heels in the, in the sideline. Somebody like, you know, Haksabanovic, for instance, may very well have had like a claim to say, well, why am I not getting a game when I've came on, I've made an impact, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't. And again, we know that sometimes football players just, you know, they, what they say isn't particularly in-depth. But even when he's speaking, he's just talking about, I need to wait for my chance and I need to grab that chance. And if I don't grab that chance, I'm not going to play. That's special. When you've got an environment like that where everybody's pulling together in the same direction and understands what's required to get in this football team, the results are evident on the park. Alan, you're going to come in? Yeah, I just think on that, when we're kind of discussing that and that, you know, whatever phrase you want to use, philosophy, mindset, whatever it is, I think one of the other interesting things is of all the occasions where we've seen Ange, whether it be post-match interviews or if you're maybe at a game and you see the manager get frustrated, it tends to be more over application than it is execution. He tends to, uh, you know, if he's having a maybe a, a pop post-match, which he's done very, very, very few times, it tends to be over the application of players, not over their ability. And I think that's quite important because you've got, I think it's fair to say in our squad, you've probably got a fairly wide range of ability levels, you know, from players that were there when the manager came in or coming through the youth system to the players that are at the very top that, you know, we might be lucky to have next year. I think if you then demand and apply the same principles of application to every single one of those players. It creates a level playing field where it's maybe it kind of feeds into what Samani's saying. Players then have no recourse to say, I should be starting in this team, why am I not starting? Because everybody gets a fair crack at it. Some players are better than others, and that will help them. And that will win out in the end, largely, but only if their application's there. And that's what I really like. It's I think he's very respectful towards players who probably aren't at the level to play at you know, the, the top end of the games we play. But he's always given them a fair crack at the whip. He's always been very respectful to them and he's given them opportunities. But also when he feels it's maybe just a stretch too much, he's not putting them into positions where, you know, it's maybe just a bit too much for them. Um, and and I, I think that's what helps to create that scenario where if players aren't playing or players aren't getting the game time they feel, they can only really look at themselves. And that really helps. And it, you know, Andrew's been here, you know, almost two years now. He could really count on one hand if that 
the amount of times you've had players, you know, having a gripe at the manager or maybe even having a gripe and that's even after they've left. So I think that's a really positive sign about the the culture that he's created, you know, at Lennox Town, Celtic Park, etc. Yeah, um, just on that as well. So I think it was maybe at the beginning of last month, I was at the, the foundation dinner and Ange was kind of getting asked questions and that was one of the questions about how does he keep that sort of harmony in a, in a big squad as we have. And he, he kind of said jokingly, but I think there was a sting in it as well. He said the ones that aren't happy are no longer here. And that sort of ties back to what you both said. And it was obvious for the people to <clears throat> the people in the crowd to sort of think Jakimakis and Juranovic was a wee bit different. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think Juranovic, it was always going to be a sort of short uh, time that he had in us, just the way that his career trajectory has gone. But no, it's an interesting point. And I think it, it is so positive as, as well because, as you say, it's it's very difficult to moan about not getting into the team when we're on this run that we are. Um, and long may it continue. So just moving on then to... The Kilmarnock game at the weekend, uh, 4-1. Um, it was all about the first half, really, wasn't it? What was your... I know some of you were on the reaction and, um, Alan, you were on the agenda, but for our listeners that have, maybe haven't heard you, what was your thoughts on the game, Sir Um A game of two halves, I suppose, is a bit simplistic, but in terms of enjoyment or in terms of, of you know, as a supporter, it absolutely was. The first half especially the first half hour when we when we scored four goals was it was just scintillating to watch the football was you know I think I touched on it when I spoke about it it's the sort of football you want us to play all the time and the sort of football when you see us playing you think why don't you do that all the time because it looks so simple but of course we know it takes great effort and a lot of hard work to turn in a performance like that and I didn't expect it Solely because of the pitch, to be perfectly honest, it's not um, part of that's probably because of the mis- not misconceptions, preconceptions you've got about that surface. But generally speaking, you know, if we go there or we go to Livingston, you know, that's not a proper surface to play professional football on, and that's quite often I think gives kind of rise to to the performances on on the park. But we zipped the ball about like we would on you know a perfect grass surface. Um, which surprised me a bit, not so much the dominance, just that we were so fluid. Um, but so many highlights from it, so many positive performances. Um, I'm sure we'll maybe come and talk about some of the players. I'm going to say the name Awata before Alan does, because I just <laughs> want to say it. Um, and then in the second half, again, as much as we were kind of, you know, we were kind of being for blood, we wanted we wanted 10, you know, we were <laughs> millions of folk would have been texting each other and saying, oh, this could be it, you know, what's how many is this going to be? And then when Kyogo, you know, missed the penalty, it was like, oh, that better not be the one that, that, that costs us. But And then in the second half was a bit deflating from us, for us as a support. But when you look at it coldly and you look at it through the eyes of a manager, that was perfect game management. It was just see it out, gave a couple of youth players a start, you know, brought off key players at key times. And just wrapped up the the, the three points um, easily. Last week on the weekly, my biggest worry about it was that and the Motherwell game was let's just make sure we get this with the three points, but also not picking up any injuries. And we didn't do that, but I think it was the right call to tone things down in the second half to ensure that was the case. So loved the first half. Second half was a bit of a chore, but um, I think the mo- main thing you take from it is performances are some of the. The, the, the fringe players and how clinically ruthless we were in the first half. 
Definitely. And I remember um sort of at this stage last season, um and said that he always likes to sort of burst through the finishing line. Um to kind of really cement your position as the, the best team in the country. And I think it probably wouldn't be, I think I'd be speaking out of turn to say that first 25, 30 minutes was probably right up there with the best of the season. Um, I think back to Tannadice and other great performances, um, first half in the Rangers game in September, etc. But as it's just when in Celtic are in their pomp like that, there's not a better feeling in the world. And I think Alistair Johnson kind of said in the, after the derby about no team can touch us and it was evident when we play like that like the one touch passing and the movement and the rotations and stuff was a, a joy to watch Alan what was your sort of thoughts on the the game and any standout performers I, I thought we were just incredibly ruthless um, I think the second half as Samani talked about if it's almost we would see it as more traditional if it had been the other way around sticky first half and then you then come through and show your quality in the end. Whereas actually the game is out of sight and Commander are doing damage limitation by, you know, 30 odd minutes. Um, you know, and it kind of fizzled out. But as you say, just inc- incredibly ruthless to put yourself in that position. It's almost just like snuffing out any nerves or hope. And that point you made about kind of busting through the finish line, I think is quite important because you almost extinguish any nerves by just approaching it in a way where you say, look, we know we're in a dominant position. We know that we've got the capability of blowing sides away. So let's not let's not sit back and admire our progress. Let's actually just go and continue. And it's 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 quite interesting. And I think I was actually chatting earlier on. I was just out of walking, you know, looking at the fixtures and, you know, probably doing what most people are doing now, thinking what's going to fall when. And you've just got that feeling that there's one more this season. There's one more team that's going to just catch a really bad beat. You know, it's we've seen it in Trophy Day last year. You get that feeling that there's one team that's maybe going to switch off a wee bit, not approach it the same way. And that if we do continue to try and play with that poison, that energy, that you are going to kind of bust through. So um, I thought that might have been on Sunday. Uh, it wasn't to be, but it, it was very impressive. And I think um, what encouraged me a lot, you know, if you're asking about who was impressive, I like that the middle of the park, there's guys starting to come into a little bit of form and, you know, maybe give alternatives because it looks like they might need them. It's good to see other guys breaking through and taking their opportunities in that area where we have been very strong. It's a, so important that we kind of, we're, we're much stronger and we've got more quality in there. And it looks like, as Zamani was first to get there, it looks like we've signed another player in January who is certainly going to be a big player for us over the next 12 months, hopefully, and the best will you know, is yet to come from him, but it looked like another occasion where he's just finding his feet, but so comfortable, so adept, you know, comfortable on both sides. The physical side of the game looks like absolutely no issue to him. Um, he just look, it just feels like you can chalk him up as another one. It's going to be a success. The only question is now how successful. Uh, it's not a case of is he going to be a first team regular. It's just going to be how regular. Will he be in the first team? So I'm I'm really excited by his progress, and you know between now and the end of the season, even it'll be interesting to see how much we see him. Yeah, um, totally agree with what you both said about Wata. I thought it was exceptional, and my one concern was that he might be too defence defensive minded. But as you say, Alan, he was busting forward. And he was unlucky not to score. Um, mm. Probably yeah, had the only chance really apart from um, O in the second half. But you you brought him up, Samani. So, what what were your sort of what was your take on him? 
much much as that you and Alan have just said that I think you know there was a, a thought process that he might just be you know a traditional number six. What you see with him is as somebody who looks as if he can comfortably do that role to a high standard, but he's got more to his game as well. Now the shot where he came across, where he was you know he was very close, was was impressive, but. The pass that he played through to Kyogo, who was kind of the wrong way around to receive the ball and it, and it kind of broke away from him, that really impressed me, that vision. The wherewithal to step inside um, from the Kamalik player, I can't remember exactly who it was, but he just kind of stepped inside from him, looked up and played the ball, you know, through the eye of a needle, curling it into the, into the feet of Kyogo, who, you know, you're not going to blame him for that, you know, in terms of not doing much, but if he turned... And, and finish that, you know, you would be talking one of the goals of the season for me. So it's hard to. I'm getting maybe getting carried away from a, a wee bit, but because we, we haven't seen too much of him, it's a bit like Kobayashi. I thought he looked excellent as well, but you also need to kind of put the brakes on a wee bit. But sometimes you get a feeling for a player, and he, I've got that with Awata. I'm, I'm I'm making it as if it's just me, but I think a lot of people do. And that is because you have seen that quality and even though it's in a short short periods of time, quite crucially, some of them have been against Rangers when he came on in the last game and then when he came on in the cup final, probably to less fanfare, but he really was steady there. He just kind of steadied the ship. They had a, they had a spell, I think, you know, where they were maybe on the, the offensive at that point. But for me, Awata made the difference in both those games. So when you add all that up, you know, that's why you can maybe get carried away. Starting to think, you know, I mean, we'll maybe talk about O'Reilly and, and, and some of the other performances, but you're starting to think in your head, rightly or wrongly, that Awata, Hitati and McGregor technically would be a phenomenal midfield. Um, and that shows you that shows you that we've unearthed another gem that we're talking about a guy coming in and replacing somebody in that starting three with the quality we've got. Just it's just it's just great to see that and it's just great time to be a kind of Celtic fan when you've got these options. Yeah, I think that I think that's a a real good point about those three in particular because he can't help um, to sort of cast an eye to next season, can you? And I think one of the, the major issues that we had in the Champions League um, was that we tired and we get sort of overrun in that central midfield area. So I think having someone um, as solid and as comfortable in tight positions with the ball as a water would be, it would hopefully take us to another level. Um no, I think it's it's quite nice as well, Barry. Sorry to interrupt just on that. It's quite nice to hear someone talking about next season from a Celtic perspective because I genuinely feel like since, well, since January, definitely February, certainly March, all I've heard uh, from a team in Glasgow is next season, next season, next season. So it's quite nice to know that actually we won't just be entirely stagnant and we might even improve a wee bit. That's quite a novel concept that might uh, might even catch on. Indeed, it's gone from, I think in the past 10 days, it's gone from 8 or 9 players to 4 or 5 and it'll probably be 1 or 2 by the time we get into into May. Um, so man, you mentioned Kobayashi again, I thought it was a very assured performance. Um, yep. It just gave us another dimension, I think, um, as well. Um, any sort of highlights from his performance? Um, just how comfortable he was bringing the ball forward. I mean, I think what I'd noted from the game was there was a couple of times where he actually kind of just switched up with Greg Taylor in terms of of you know seamlessly on the park, you know, and um, it is very apparent 
that when it comes to confidence and bringing the ball forward and passing range and ability, that he's better than both Starfelt and um, Carter Vickers. You know, there was, I think the one key ball was the one that he played up the line. I'm sure it was for Taylor in the first half. You know, it just, it just seemed so natural and it just seemed well within his capabilities to produce passes like that regularly going forward. Caveat that, you know, it's some folk, you know, they need to kind of hold their horses a wee bit sort of thing. Um, y- y- we don't know if he can defend really. And and that's, that might sound kind of simplistic, but it's it's true. Now, I know he came on at Tynecastle and, and things, but, you know, there wasn't much. You want to see him in a bit of a battle, don't you? You want to see him roughed up a wee bit before you're starting to say, okay, you can replace either one of, um, you know, Carter Vickers or, or Starfelt. But with performances, more performances like that, you're starting to see the benefits to the overall system and how our attacking play could revolutionise. I was going to say that's far too strong a word, but could be rejuvenated or could kind of be um, taken forward, especially at European level, because it's you want to be comfortable there to kind of start to kind of bring start attacks and kind of build from the back quickly and, and break those lines. Even in again games against Rangers as well, you know where they, they performed that. High press, and they were obviously going man for man in midfield traditionally. And the under Bilbao, they've always kind of sat on Cal McGregor because he's normally the out ball from from defence. So if you've got someone like Kobayashi at the back, then you <clears throat> that can be nullified to a certain extent. Um, but there is still that. There's still questions to to see. It's a bit like the old adage about goalkeepers as well. You know, when we're talking about goalkeepers that can play out from the back. You know, first things first, you want them to be able to defend. So, we bit, I wouldn't say the jury's out, that's the wrong phrase, but a wee bit more sample size, shall we say, and a, a wee bit more of a, a kind of fight on his hands would be good to see, um, to get an understanding where he is, but signs are good. Definitely. Um, I think I think it was maybe uh, Kieran Devlin who said on the agenda, which you can sign up to the Cynic.co um, for daily podcasts. Just get that in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, I like the idea that Kieran floated that maybe we can want to talk about uh, CCV uh, slightly later, but if we could get CCV to see us through uh, the semi-final, um, it might give you a sort of opening to play Kobayashi in the fixture at Ibrooks because although every game against them you want to win and it's high-pressured, um, it would be a good sort of a test for him to have that roughed up and play under a a poisonous atmosphere, uh, for want of a better word. Just, that might be something that, that could happen. Just, no, sorry to interrupt there, but it was I listened to the agenda and it was it was actually joyous to hear how buzzing Kieran was about the performance and about Kobayashi. I know he's been he's been kinda of on the Kobayashi train from the start. Um so it was it was good to see he was obviously enjoyed his performance as as we all did, you know, but um I think the points he's been making for a while were very apparent, you know, the, the benefits of a ball playing centre-half, so so that was good to listen to. Yeah, um, just before you come in as well, I was, um, I, I, what I noticed was that he was so composed and even times when he was leaving it to the last possible minute to sort of make his move, whether that was carrying the ball forward or play a mm. last-minute pass, that in itself opened up the park because they'd sort of, Busted, I got to get close to him, and then he had the ability on the ball to just sort of tap it around the corner and stuff like that. But were you enthused by his performance um, and what you hoping to see moving forward? 
Yeah, I thought it, I thought it was really encouraging. I actually, I think you struggle to find a Celtic fan that probably didn't notice that it did change a wee bit how we played. I think, to be honest, I think you were maybe spot on, Samani, when you did say revolutionise it. It, it, it would ho- it would open up a new avenue for us. I think you're right though to be cautious because if he can do that and he can do that against good sides and he could defend in the same way that CCV or Starfelt would have, he'd have probably been playing consistently since January because Andrew's shown that he, that he doesn't have an issue making big decisions. Um, so it's probably just about that development, how much, you know, how how long it will take to smooth the edges and get him that game time, those experiences because those six Champions League games are not far away, not far away at all. So, you know, if if Kobayashi, maybe that journey is going to take him a little bit longer. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, you found that we were in the market in the summer for, you know, a centre-half. Um, but I'm, I, I was, I thought his performance was great. I thought his starting position was really good. And what I, I, you might have noticed it being at the game, Barry. Um, but the one thing I noticed was it was even encouraging he was maybe having a wee go at Starfelt to be a little bit more aggressive yeah. um, as well and start a little bit higher up and maybe not be pensive. Um, so it's really encouraging to see. He obviously feels well assimilated in the group. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm probably the same. I'd, if, you, if you're going to trust him next year in those six Champions League games, which let's be honest, that's what we're all looking to. That's what's exciting. When you get to this time of year and you've largely wrapped up your league, you're thinking about what will come next. We'll need to be better. We'll need to be better defensively and we'll need to be better going forward. And if you're going to trust Kobayashi with any of those games, you're going to have to give him some meaningful game time between now and the end of the season. So um, if you don't see much of him, if it just goes back to CCV and Carol Starfelt, then I think the likelihood is the centre-half might be another area in the summer that we might be looking at again, which, you know, we're talking about driving improvement and being ruthless. That That's on and off the park. So... Um, so really, really positive, but needs needs bigger games, better teams. So hopefully that will come between now and uh, now and June. I just have sort of visions of some man I mentioned there, and we all did that sort of toughening him up, like Rocky. Is it Rocky too when he's got the chicken and he's just out <laughs> trying to chase the chicken, trying uh, rough Kobayashi up. But sports sports science has moved on a wee bit, but it's not moved on that much. No. It's all it's all in the mind, isn't it? Um but no, as we say, the the signs are encouraging and it's great to see and we might as we'll touch on later with injuries and stuff, we might have to see more of them. Um which might not mm-hmm. be a bad thing anyway. Um just moving on then to another question from Ken, good friend of the show. He says, Do you think we'll beat the Rats record of hundred and six points in a season? And will we beat the old co record of thirty five wins in a season? And the third part of his question is, what are the chances of us being at home on the last day of the season? So, um, Alan, we'll start with you. Do you think we'll beat Rodgers' 106 points in a season um, this year? I think it's going to be difficult because I did say, and we were obviously talking about it being, um, you know, busting through the finish line. Um, Really what you would be requiring there is only, I think, one draw. Uh, Barry you're the maths man you'll be able to confirm that but I think you would be allowing yourself one draw only and I think when you do get to the end of the season there can be the potential for potentially taking your eye off the ball a little bit Um, the league I would imagine would be wrapped up in the next two weeks Uh, sorry the next two match days which is which is great 
I think what it may... I'll go off the fence and say, yes, yes, we will. And to be fair, we'll probably then need to do both, I think, from Ken's point of view. Um, So I think we will, but I think in order to do it, you might need a little bit of a a carrot, and I think that carrot could be a Scottish Cup final. If the team can get, you know, make sure that your last game of the season is a showpiece match, everyone's then fighting for competition. It just gives the manager another little tool to make sure that training stays as competitive through until the last week as it has since um, since July. I think if you can do that, then it will help a lot. It's not, it won't make or break it. It's an entirely distinct competition. But if we can put Rangers, you know, out of their misery next weekend, it just gives them another little tool to say there's plenty of game time, but also for the guys that have been regulars, if you do want to make sure you play in that Scottish Cup final, you're going to have to maintain the standards that you've done since August. So a little bit of a maybe psychology there um, and to do it, that would help. So what I'm asking for is a treble and a record points hall treble. So not yeah. not asking much, but we're close enough now. So you might as well reach for the stars. I think as well, as you mentioned, if we are in the Scottish Cup final, you would hope that that would sort of knock the stuffing out of Rangers. Um for the, the final fixture at Ibrox as well and um that might help on the sort of path to, to breaking that points total as well. Um so Manny, what's your thoughts? Um it is going to be difficult. Uh I, I do think it's it's entirely possible with the mindset and the the way that we've got the team playing, not just the team, the squad, players ready to come in and do it. I'll be honest, I, I'm I'm not too fussed about it. I mean, I might be alone there, but I've had my filler Scottish records and, and kind of trying to go for this. Um, and I'm going to take the two words that you said next season. Um, I would be more than happy for us to win a treble. <laughs> Sounds as if I'm not asking for nothing when we say that, but <laughs> obviously because we've got them in the semi and, you know, with the opposition that we're going to be playing in the final, you, you want to meet that first test and you would assume we would meet the second test. So I would... I wouldn't be too harsh on the team if there is a drop-off and we don't do that. As long as we've got an eye on building for next season and trying to become a better team in Europe. Because we tend to do that. There tends to be a kind of, you know, three, four-week post-mortem after we go out of Europe and we talk about it. And then we forget all about it. We forget all about it because we get wrapped up in the joys of the domestic success and the days out and things like that on the bevy. But it's, I think it's important to keep your eye on that. And I'm assuming and hoping... That I think the manager will be thinking about that. We've touched on guys like Kobayashi and Awata, you know, kind of integrating themselves into the squad this season, but maybe kind of flourishing next season with an eye on becoming just a better European side. Um, I've said it before, I've said it again, when you aim at that level, you should have more than enough to take care of things domestically. So that's got to be the aim for me. So it would, you know, all those records would be nice beating point totals and things like that. But I'd much rather that we had our eye or thoughts on next season after, you know, meeting certain milestones this season to become, you know, more of a force in Europe. Again, that might not necessarily mean qualifying from the Champions League group. That might be then going on a significant run in the Europa if we finish third. But we need progress from last year. Um, and that's that's really what I'm hoping for. What I'm hearing is, Samani, your season... Providing Celtic win next Sunday in the semi-final, the season ends for you that day oh, because it. because that's the league the league's done. You've taken away Rangers' last hope. You've popped the pillow over their face. 
And that is it. That is their season done. Whether we win it or not, you, you, you don't particularly care to be honest. And that nah, fitly. Scottish Cup final day. I'm going to I'm going to look up from a a, a book and go. Oh, uh, I see the Celtic have won today. Fantastic. <laughs> that, that, that'll, that'll be my interest on the day. Basically, drinking a nice glass of pims. Oh, very nice. <laughs> um, and just the sort of final part of Ken's question. Um, I'd imagine that we would be at home on the last day of the season. Um, yeah, yeah. I think we'll be at Ibrooks the week before, and then I, I, that's my feeling. The mid, Jack, the midweek or the, the weekend before? There's talk that it might be the midweek, which is the second last fixture of the season. I think. Well, maybe not then. I, I think what they'll do is they'll they'll try they'll, they'll they'll rig it so that it's not the last game, and they'll rig it that it's it, it should be meaningless in terms of 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 affecting the league. And I don't think they would put it on in midweek either because that would just be mental. Well, aye, maybe it would. I think they'll try and avoid that as well. Yeah. Um, and I was reading as well that all the the sort of top six games in the last day of the season will be the Saturday and the bottom six will be the Sunday. So right. hopefully a, a nice uh, occasion at Celtic Park on the Saturday to, to lift the trophy. Got some news. Um, English Premier League and German Bundesliga clubs have shown serious interest in Matt O'Reilly. But the Danish under-21 midfielder remains happy at Celtic. Um as we we sort of touched upon, his performance was exceptional, I thought, um on Sunday. Totally back to the, the player that he was at this time last season. Um not just his goals, but his overall play and um a, a joy to behold. And I think when he's in that form you'd be you'd be loath to to entertain any um sort of bids as well because to sort of contradict what I was saying there. Because he hasn't been at his sparkling best this season, I don't think he would get the fee that has form. So that would sort of belie the his real price tag, I think. Um, so if we could get him to to stay for another year and maintain the form that he's started to pick up again, I think that that would be the best for the club and for him if he was to move on. Um, Alan, your sort of thoughts on Matt O'Reilly? I think I agree wholeheartedly with that. Um, if you're going to try and have a, a kind of modern way of running a club, then achieving maximum value for young, talented players has to be, you know, central to that. And I don't think Matt O'Reilly is anywhere near his highest value because I, I think we've all seen what he's capable of. I think there's probably two elements for him um, that to improve upon. Consistency, I think, would be one. Being the number one or number two player week on week. Um, he's done that for spells, but he's maybe struggled over a season. And I think he's got that ability. And then secondly, is becoming a crucial player in the big games, in European games. Um, I thought he handled himself really, really well in Europe this year and a very difficult position at times for him. Um, but he's cut a frustrated figure. And I think that is purely down to the standards that he sets himself. I don't, I don't think I've heard the 21-year-old speak like that in a more rational professional you know so focused I don't think I've ever heard a player of that age speak like that and it just highlights how driven he is to get to the very top of the game or as the kind of modern phrase that people like to say be the best version of yourself whatever one you prefer so I think he's got much more that he can do and he's certainly got much more that he can achieve here 
Um, and I think when he, whenever he does leave, which I'm sure he will, because he wants to play at the top of the game, then he'll have achieved more here and he'll certainly have kind of nailed down uh, a more central position in the team than he's had in the last, you know, three or four months. Um, but in the short term, it's really, really encouraging to see him be that impactful player because we've still got, hopefully, what, eight huge games this season. And it looks like that one of those jerseys is up for grabs again, maybe even two, depending on injuries. So it's a very, it's very timely for him to maybe come back into form. So delighted to see it. And hopefully, um, you know, hopefully he's there first day of preseason next year and ready to go for, um, right from the off next year. Definitely. And I, I think you made the point maybe just before the, the Derby, Alan, um, that if results, because of injuries don't go our way, that's not an excuse because that's why you have the big squad and thankfully he seems to have found form just at the time that Hatati's dropped out due to injury. Um, so that's encouraging. So Mary, I, I think, just just sorry, sorry, Barry, see just on that, I think see when you look at the season as a whole and largely under Andrew's time, this squad it feels like more than ever, maybe it is because it's a bigger squad and it's a bit more rounded, it feels like we've had so many players come in, be incredible for eight, ten weeks maybe, then drop off a little bit. But there's always someone else that's picked up the slack. And I think that's been really important. I think you could say certainly say that with the wingers at different points in the season. You could say it with the central midfielders. I think the centre-halves is a little bit different. Even when Kyogo dropped off, there was goals coming from elsewhere. It feels like the team do dovetail a little. So I think that's why... See, when a player doesn't have a spectacular game, for example, and I know Haksavanovic was one of the ones at the weekend that come in for a bit of criticism I think see you just look at the team as a whole and as long as people are performing their function again goes back to that thing that Anne talked about you know application see if they're all doing that then the results will come so it's been really encouraging and you know with Moy and Hitati obviously they were exceptional for a period they're now both out it's about other guys coming up and picking up the slack so hmm. I think um, if O'Reilly can do that in the last kind of couple of weeks of the season then it would just continue that trend of the team are performing and then individuals kind of up and down, that, that's absolutely fine. And that's just form, I suppose. Yeah, I think it comes back to that thing as well, isn't it? That the, the system is the is the king. Um <laughs> and the players are just sort of cogs within that. So so Mary, your sort of take on him. Um not always performance on Sunday, but the last couple of weeks or so. Yeah, I think the signs were there against Rangers that he was kind of starting to kind of manoeuvre back into the form that was seen from him. Interestingly, he touched on it himself in terms of the shape in the midfield with Iwata and McGregor behind him. And maybe give him that wee bit more security, that, you know, free reign to kind of, you know, show his talents a wee bit more that he's maybe not had. I mean, I think there's been conversations about Moy and the work rate that, you know, that he doesn't have, if you will. Um and that maybe that's not allowed O'Reilly to shine when he's maybe been in, in the team with him. But when he had that sitting behind him, you certainly seen it. I thought he was outstanding. He has, both goals were just Matt O'Reilly goals for me. And I know he's not got many this season, but those are the goals that you've seen from him last season. You know, that sweeping left foot strike for the second and then again just placing it after, you know, some lovely play for, for his first. And it's interesting and it's I agree with the point that Alan makes about how players kind of dip and then somebody seems to be there to take up the mantle because Moyes, another example, you know, he was a guy who was came back in wonderful form after the World Cup and 
we got to a position. There was a lot of folk that probably weren't believers in Moy and his ability, and 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 I think he won. He won most people around in terms of his his performances there. Obviously, being out with the injury, you know the age he is. I think it's safe to assume that he's either a guy who takes time to get back up to fitness, or he needs some game time to get that match sharpness back when he's been out. And we're seeing that now, and it couldn't be a better time that O'Reilly's kind of started to kind of perform the way that he's performed. Just just on Moy as well. I mean, obviously, I've been a fan of the guy. You know, he's he's out just now on merit and he's probably what now fifth choice midfielder you know if we're talking about um, a starting three and that's okay that's fine that's what happens in this squad just I would just caution on writing them off and I'm not saying I'm not saying a lot of folk have but I think some people who weren't won over by him um, and then maybe grudgingly gave him some credit have now regressed into that Aaron Moyes not very good kind of stage and that's not the case he's just a guy who you know he's maybe needs to be nurtured a bit more because of his age um, but you know he'll still even this season I think he'll still get some some big moments out of Moy and next season the good thing about you know the squad depth we've got and what we're talking about is see if Moy doesn't get back to what he's been capable of this season you know it is what it is because we've already got players in there who are going to take it on from him. But I still think he's he's definitely got a contribution to make this season and and hopefully next. Yeah, I think that that's a great point. And see, even if, as you say, Savannah, even if he doesn't, he's more than earned his medals for hundred percent this season because without his goals and his performances in sort of the bigger games, we probably wouldn't have got the positive results that we did. So yeah, I'm more than happy with his place in the squad and. Alan, you you sort of made the point on the agenda a few times that it's it's never like sort of it's not fixed. Like the guy who's the sort of flavour of the month, who's the 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 key starter or the key performer, four weeks down the line it can change, and that's exactly what we're seeing with O'Reilly and um, Moy sort of swapping positions. Um, some more news is the the injury to Carter Vickers. Um, Obviously, a knee injury that's sort of hampered him for a few weeks, and I think he's played through the pain barrier. Um, they're still they could go for surgery before the end of the campaign. Now, I know we spoke about this sort of privately, Alan, uh, this week. Um, you're really hoping that he can be patched up to get him get us through the semi final, and then if we have the positive result, then I'd be more than happy for him to sort of cut his season short so that he's fit and ready uh, for the start of next season. And also, um, it might be the case that if he does have this injury that requires surgery, it might sort of keep the, the wolves at the door over the summer. But just um, seeing that he trained today as well. So that's a positive sign. But personally, I think if we can get him patched up for or get him through the semi-final, then more than happy for him to, to get the surgery before the season ends. Yeah, I think, yeah, when you think about players that we've, and we've gone without, you know, we obviously we went without Callum McGregor for a period and there's no more important player to, to us than McGregor. But if you are thinking about that game, you know, he, he, he's just been largely very comfortable in these games. Um, he looks like he can handle, you know, what Rangers are kind of throwing um, at us. So, uh, not at the expense of maybe aggravating what could be a kind of more, Troublesome issue. You don't want, you know, I'm getting in the summer with, you know, if he can get that operation a couple of weeks earlier, I think I would agree. After that game, 
you know, let him get that cleaned up and then hopefully he's back, you know, plenty of time for pre-season and can get a full run at it. But it is one of those ones, you know, when you see the team come out, if Carter Vickers isn't on there, it's one of the names you look at and you kind of think, I wonder how that will disrupt, you know, the way we play. It just, I think it's just a credit to him. He's just so comfortable. He just, just calms everyone down. There's nothing, there's very little rash about him. Um, he plays very level, very calm. And I think that exudes that calmness and confidence that kind of helps throughout the team. But um, yeah, as long as it's not at the expense of potentially aggravating injury, then um, I'd be happy for him to get us hopefully into a Scottish Cup final and then, um, you know, go and get that, that tidy up operation. Uh, that would be that would be absolutely fine, but I would like him there next Sunday and the starting team at hand. And there's there's absolutely no doubt about that. He's he's been immense this season for us. Yeah, it would be certainly a boost as the team comes out to see him in there. Um, yeah. so Manny, I know you're a big fan of him. Um, I, I imagine you'll be much the same. See if he can get us through this semi, and then um, he can end his season there. Yeah, I mean, it's a big ask, you know. Assuming that it's, I mean. He, one of his worst performances in a Celtic strip was against Rangers. So, um, oh, background, background interference here. Um, so you're just hoping that it doesn't, that he's got enough in the tank to see us through that at a level that he needs to be. I mean, tempting as it is after the weekend to think, well, maybe Kobe Ashy could play there. You know, that's a call the manager will make. He's far braver than I when it comes to these things, but I would tend to want to patch up or, or get. Carter Vickers onto that pitch to get us through that game and then as you say, you know, let him kinda go and get whatever he needs to get himself back to full fitness, you know. Um but yeah, it's it's yeah, I think all eyes is on the you know, the thirtieth to see what he gets. But um you, you talked about Moy earning his medals. He's earned his medals and, and, and more, do you know what I mean? So um aye. One more game, please. I, I'd like you to disclose the names of many of those that you don't think have deserved their medals this season. That is uh, behind the paywall. <laughs> um, some more news. Ange um, insists that some of the recruitment plans are already in place um, to make Celtic stronger. But he admits that interest in the current group means it's uncertain just how many, uh, how much business may need to be done. And seeing the past and previous regimes and under previous managers. I'm sure they've come out with that and you wouldn't believe it. Um, you'd be full of hope for season ticket renewal time um, and then we'd have near beat on the centre-half uh, in the qualifiers. But when Anne says it, we can only judge it on how his term has been and you fully believe it, don't you? You'd imagine that there's players ready to go or certainly been watched as we speak. Um, but... That sort of, sort of ties in with that, a question from Dave, who says, what squad turnaround do we think we should expect to see over the summer? So, Samani, we'll start with you on this one. In terms of players out, I think, I hate to bring these names up, but it's been very easy to forget about them. See some of the, the, the high-earning loan signings that we've had, you know, the, sorry, loan signings that we've put out that we still have in the wage bill. Barkas, you know, Ajeti. These guys will be on decent money and I think it's probably time to, if they they don't get a permanent move, it's maybe time to say, look, lads, can we do a deal here to kind of move you on? So as much as they've been out of sight, out of mind, there will be a section of the support that goes, 
what? Well, he's back, and you know when you see them at pre-season training, sort of thing. So, um, I think it's important to do that. Those two in particular, because of the 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 money that they'll be commanding. Um, in terms of the squad, you know, that you know the first team. I mean, you've got guys like McCarthy, who you know just didn't. That's it's just didn't work out, you know. And for the best, it's maybe time for him to maybe you know look for another football club. Um, you know, guy like Tumble. Like Alan Snigger in there, why? Tell me, tell me why that is. Just we were, we were just having quite a nice time. We we're talking about next season, grand <laughs> plans, and now, and now we're talking about Ayeti and Barkas. And genuinely, my reaction to you bringing up those names, and when anybody brings up those names, is like the same reaction as the morning after a night out when you look at your phone and somebody texts you saying, "How are you feeling this morning?" That the, the identical reaction there, just that sheer, oh fuck. That's exactly how I feel. So we were, we were bobbing along nicely, and now we're talking about the ghosts of uh, Celtic past. It's it's important to get a wee dose of realism every now and again. I'm giving it to you in spades here just now. So, um, yeah, and then we'll, we'll pick it up shortly. A bit more positive. Turnbull's a guy who you just—I mean, we've talked about it in the past. What do you do with David Turnbull? You know, he's. If we're looking at the the midfield options we've got just now, he's ostensibly sixth choice for you know what those three midfield places. Um, he's too good and maybe too old, maybe to go out on a loan. Um, certainly, the loan. I think you've mentioned this before, Alan. The sort of type of loan that you would want for Turnbull would probably be one of the more difficult types of loan to get, you know, you would have to get down to, you know, another another league abroad or like the championship, but even to kind of test himself further, that's not straightforward. And then if we're talking about, you know, value, um, he's not going to be at the top of where you think his value would be. So selling him might be, you know, counterproductive, you know, you better than just keeping him. But it's going to be a decision to be made because he's a guy that will want to play football, but as it stands, it doesn't look like he's going to get the minutes that he would want or probably needs at this stage of his career. Um, yeah, I'm going to stop going through current players now and think about maybe where we need to strengthen. Goalkeeper. I'm shining your toys. <laughs> Goalkeeper. And I, I definitely think we maybe need to consider um, left-back as well. Not so much for Taylor because I think we're all in a position where we're very comfortable with his abilities but when he's out it's a panic you know um, and that's that's fairly evident that that might also be the case at right back you know with with, with Ralston so the full backs are so kind of integral to the to the system that as much as you're not dying to go out and get somebody to replace Johnston or Taylor you want somebody who's competing with them because if you've then got that injury, then they're maybe able, able to fit more seamlessly into the system. Because I don't think I'll be alone here in saying that if we were going into a portion of the season with Ralston and Burnaby, both of them have got attributes. Both of them are players that we all like for certain reasons. The drop in quality would be too big. Um, and that's maybe somewhere that we need to consider backing up. And I'll stop there. No, I think that's really good points because... As we say, we want the overall quality of the, the squad to to improve. And um, Angie said in the past about players who are heroes to the fans. Like I think we should always be looking to improve, um, not to, so we don't stand still or regress. And um, I think I would say goalkeeper is, is as you mentioned. Um, 
fullback, maybe someone that can play both left and right might help in that regard. Um, Alan, I'll come to you in a wee second. You mentioned centre half, but I think maybe a, a right winger, um, preferably a right winger that's left footed, I think would give us a wee bit of balance of sort of cut inside. Um, and then who knows? We sort of spoke so highly of Iwata and O'Reilly. I'd be greedy and say I would want another midfielder in there, particularly if um, Turnbull goes and we'll see how Moy goes. But Alan, over to you. What would you like to see? See, I think to be to be entirely honest, um, I think a lot of people are talking down. That's people are just. It's, it's, it's understandable that we're at the point of a season where the league looks like it's wrapped up and we, we're, up, we're in the hunt for a potential treble. But that, you can credit the, the squad we've got at the moment and enjoy the last seven weeks of the season, whatever it is left, and still say, look, in the summer, I, I want to be ambitious. And that. I'd quite like to see not a substantial turnover, but I'd probably be looking at... I think you've just ran through four or five positions there, Barry, that I wouldn't complain if there was... You know, maybe a player out and another player in. I think you need to keep doing that. It's you don't get to a point. This isn't like, or certainly, I hope it's not like Martin O'Neill and Brendan Rodgers, where they get back to a couple of windows and then that's it. It'll be they'll have that until you know they're either sacked or resign. I'd like to see us continually drive improvement and look at the squad that we had and some of the lineups that we put out in those Champions League games this year. I'd like to be a long way away from that when we get to these games next year. So I think a number of those positions, I think probably goalkeeper and I think I think winger are essential um, to drive improvement. I think when you look at that, the, the wingers now, now that we've improved other areas of the team, I think there's space for one more player to come in and drive that level up. But I think pinning everything on Kobayashi, I think is puts a, a lot of pressure on his shoulders given the limited football he's had. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's some turnover there. Um, and I do think, I think that when you look at the fullbacks, we're an injury either side away, and it's a very labour intensive role in, under Andrew's system. You either look at improving the first choice there, or you bring in a very very capable backup. Um, and I think there's a little bit of work to be done there. So I wouldn't be against, you know, bringing someone in to compete directly with Taylor, potentially even Johnston, um, and then moving some of the other guys on. Because, you know, for example, Ralston's name, who it feels like we've not mentioned in a very long time on here, he was a player that I think most people were happy to see go for nothing, you know, and not give him a new contract. In fact, we remember the reaction to him getting a new contract. Now, I think you would be realistically, he would be a player that would have value in the market. Um, and you could achieve that value. Um, so if we did that, gives an opportunity to a younger player, maybe someone more up and coming. I would be absolutely fine with that. So I think it will. I would hope, to be honest, that it's a very busy window, if not as busy as it has been in previous years. So, Manny, I think uh, the point about the centre half probably probably a well made one. You know, in terms of what we're looking to do and pinning our hopes on Kobayashi. Specifically on a right-sided, you know, player for the front three. We have been doing a lot of kind of plugging gaps there. You know, we had Haksabanovic in the right at the weekend. We've seen Jota and Maeda play there. And neither of them, um, that's their natural position. That's not what you see them at their most free-flowing. Um, I do think, though, Abada's future will play into this. You know, we've seen him, <clears throat> you know, what we've not mentioned is that 
we are a team who bring players in to develop them and and, and kind of sell them on and, and for, for profit. And we've not mentioned some of our favourites in and amongst that, which is understandable because we don't want them to go. Abad has not been one of my favourites, which I think most folk that, that listen regularly would know. That's not to say that he's not a guy with talents, you know, ability and all that sort of stuff. But there has been some noises in the press about him moving on and whether that's coming from the player himself because he doesn't feel he's getting enough game time or whether or not he's been identified by the manager as somebody to say, look, he's got a big upside. He's scored a lot of important goals for us. He's at a young age. Um, however, I think that we can do better there. Let's move him on. I mean, maybe that's not the manager. Maybe that's the manager in conjunction with the board, in conjunction with the club that's thinking that, and you can get a sizable fee for him. Then I think it would be more likely that we would strengthen there. But the more you think about it, you know, a guy like Forrest's played his football, largely speaking. So the fact that we have been plugging gaps there, we've maybe not given the credence to that because of the quality we're plugging it with. You know, it's, it's top-class left-sided players that we're playing on the right. But, you know, just fucking a overall fluidity of the side, that might be somewhere that we look at. But keeping your eye on a badder, maybe that might be the, the key to that happening uh, as to opposed to not happening. He's tried to take that medal off a badder. We've got, yeah. we've got the answer to our question. That's the first time. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be invading the picture on Trophy Day trying to get that medal right off his neck. Um, I think, Barry, you used the expression, I, I absolutely love it, shiny new toys. Just... Give us a left-footed jaw, please. Um, I mean, that's is it is it that much to ask? That would be great. But then the irony is, you'd probably never play him in the same team as Jota because you know not a lot of work going back the way there. So Maeda can just switch sides every week and give the other Jota a game every other week. If we get into that position, I'll be very happy. Yeah, very good. Um, it's going to be an interesting summer anyway. I think, and again, it kind of shows the confidence and the manager and the way that we're doing things just now is that um, as I mentioned earlier I think the fact that the system is the sort of key component and obviously Ange that you're confident that if uh, one of your heroes does go out then they would be replaced um, maybe with not the exact same quality but certainly someone who could get to their level um, in a fairly short period of time. Just sort of finishing off the news, the the Green Brigade um, are planning another um, whole stadium TIFO um, looking for donations for that. You think back to the, the whole stadium ones have done in the past, the 125th anniversary against Barcelona, the Lisbon Lions one, um, the 50th anniversary, and then obviously the flag day at the start of the season. It's but a sort of it's a joy to behold, isn't it, to see the whole stadium done out like that and some amount of work that they do as well. So hopefully people will give generously to that. Um, I, I know we've reached the parish bulletin section of the podcast now, Barry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Last week's second collection <laughs> raised. <laughs> um, couple of Any remaining ski aft boxes, please hand them. And <laughs> you always forget to give them back, don't you? In time, get ones from three years ago. Um, couple of talking points before we focus on Motherwell. Um, a lot of talk just now about the league has never been such a poor standard and. It's crazy that it's only only happens when we are the dominant force. Um, I always think back to the nineties. Um, couldn't go through a podcast without mentioning that somebody. No, uh, I remember that not. they had they had a banner saying "No stadium, no trophies, no hope" or something like that, and it was all a big joke when we were down in the doldrums. But 
I saw was that Tam McManus was on slaughtering the, the quality of the league, the worst that he's seen in 20 years, even though Hearts, Hibs and Rangers went in the league, what, six or seven years ago. Um, just briefly on this, Armani, your thoughts on this sort of nonsense that's going around? Um, there might be some merit to the point, but um, the timing of it and the, the grumbling about it is entirely, it's entirely coincidental to us being on an upward trajectory. Um, yeah, it's, it, you know, you always think there's a bit of mischief making with it, you know what I mean? And it's, and again, you, you can't, they wouldn't have a, they didn't have a serious conversation about the standard of the league, you know, two years ago when, um, you know, Rangers were kind of going for their, their, their COVID title, shall we say, you know, it, it just seems to kind of, Rear its ugly head when we're talking about Celtic again when they're on an upward trajectory and when they're kind of beating everybody that's kind of um, put in front of them. Um, yeah, I don't. I, it, it just seems to be a moan because nobody really talks about it. Nobody should, should, you know, puts any positive suggestions forward or anything like that. It's just, it just simply seems like we're going to moan about something. Um, and then we're not going to do anything about it. It's a bit like Scotland when they regularly get cuffed. And I know they're a bit better now, but, you know, Scotland would, you know, never qualify for any tournaments and there would be like a, a two-week post-mortem on the Super Scoreboard and, and on Radio Clyde, but nothing would happen. And then the deficiencies, the technical deficiencies that are evident in our game and in terms of players that we bring through, they laud them in games against us, like... You know, you you know they were really physical today, and they didn't let Celtic do their football, not knowing that that's half the problem. That one yeah. of the when one of the, the 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 positives and the strengths or perceived strengths of Scottish football is that you can book players up and down the park. You know, so it's a bit like that. It's almost like things are slowing down. It looks like Celtic are going to canter to the league. So let's start talking about the overall um, poor nature of the Scottish game, but without you know putting forward any answers or any kind of uh, thought into it. Disappointing, Barry, but not unexpected. Yeah, Alan. Yeah, just the hand wringing. This is uh, I, I find it to be honest. I listen to a lot of that content, and I just sit with a wee wry smile on my face because I love it that since March the focus has been on next year, and it honestly just makes me listen to Kenny McIntyre on Sports Sound come up with a different topic every night because he can't talk about a competitive title race just absolutely tickles me five nights a week so um, it's great but there's no substantive debate about you know problems like talent drain from the league which is an issue you know young players being poached by you know um, setups elsewhere in the UK and, and from abroad you know issues like that can tend to get you know, just swept to the side and it's actually, well, look, Celtic spend more and look how far ahead they are. And they're absolutely right. But, you know, there's there's a lot. I just don't think people are very good at selling this league. It's very different. It's nothing like the Premier League, but it has a lot of benefits. It's You get a strong fan culture. There's loads to sell about the league. You just need some a bit more to be a bit more ambitious and try and move the league maybe into the 21st centuries in a lot of ways. Um, in the 21st century, sorry, in a lot of ways. It doesn't seem there's any ambition to do that. I think they're quite happy for um, two teams to bring in, you know, a lot of eyes to the league and the rest of it just to kind of fight for scraps. But I think there's a lot, there's a lot to say about the league. I just don't think they do a particularly good job about it, to be honest. But it's uh, not a problem. Uh, you know, the, the press in this country treat the game that gives them a living with utter disdain. It's actually yeah. embarrassing. 
It's yeah. it's you know I mean because you could you when you see you see the Sky coverage or the the coverage of the English Premier League and you know spoiler we've all we all watch it and we know that large not largely but a huge number of games you watch on Sky are just appalling they're just boring it's just it it might be highly paid you know athletes but a lot of the time the football and display would just bore you and send you to sleep. But that'll never be acknowledged. You know, you might get a tacit, you know, not one for the purists, but then they'll just big it up and they'll talk about it. And then the advert will be uh, West Ham Bournemouth next Tuesday. Don't miss it. Whereas that doesn't happen here. It really doesn't. It, it's it's just complete and utter disdain. Um, and I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's part of the Scottish psyche or, or, or whatever, but you're never going to do anything unless you change that. You know, flat out lie to us. Right, you know, that's what you need to do. You know, you've got a game like Dundee United versus Ross County where the ball's just getting blotted back and forth or something. Big up the fact that somebody got hit in the back of your head with a pie or something, you know. <laughs> just 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 highlight what's different and, and you know what's yeah. what's what's beneficial. And you've talked about the fan culture that's up here. For a country of its size, to have the amount of football clubs, you know, the the junior system underneath that, mm-hmm. you know, that's a football crazy country and you know, there's a lot that they could highlight about it that they, um, that they don't. One other thing I'll say as well that's I've seen mentioned, but maybe not as widely, is I think the impact of the the five substitute rule has probably maybe tipped the balance in in the favour of us and Rangers against some of the smaller clubs. I think the the, the biggest evidence of that would be St Mirren on Saturday, who. You know, we're well in that game. I think it was two each, and I think they ended up getting three late goals. You can maybe... I didn't see that game, didn't watch that game, don't know the ins and outs of it, but I think you can foresee positions where bigger teams with bigger squads are then able to bring on fresher legs later in games to make a difference. So certain things like that maybe skew the quality of Scottish football and and stuff like that's happening. But again, nobody actually talks about that. Nobody actually tries to dig down into it. They basically just go, Celtic are winning. How shite is Scottish football? Yeah, I think that's expertly put. And as you say, they they don't want to look inwardly, um, and they don't want to talk up what we've got. So, what chance have we got? Just moving on ahead then to the weekend, uh, Saturday three o'clock. Um, sort of the the holy grail, as it were, the three o'clock kickoff at Celtic Park. Hopefully, the weather's like it is tonight. Um, I think I've disappeared in your screens because how bright the sun is at the back. It looks like the Holy Grail is about a half a mile behind you, but <laughs> uh, Alan's just uh, descending into heaven. Uh, you can't see that in this. If you can't see the screen. <laughs> um, looking forward to it, Alan. You said right at the, at the start of the show. It seems like we're going to have one a coffin, as it would, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't bet against it being this weekend. I know that Murrow have been playing. Fairly well recently, but you think back to some of the the performances we've had in recent memory and even going back, Motherwell, a team that we have in the past scored a lot of goals against and this will probably get cut up if, if we don't. Um, but your thoughts on the game, what do you want to see? And um, sort of maybe touch on players coming back or what the lineup you'd like to see as well. I think lineup wise it will be, I think it'll be interesting because You've no midweek game. So injuries aside, I think it'll be dress rehearsal. You know, if if Real Hatate is available, you'll see him at some point. Because 
I think he would want to play him. Um, I think I, I think I've said quite a few times we talked about it earlier. I think Ange does give a lot of um, credence to whoever has the starting jersey and tends to stick with them if they're playing well. Um, so I think if everyone, if all things were equal, everyone, you know, everyone was available, I would be fairly confident that the starting eleven on um, Saturday would be the start of the living for the following week, unless anyone really falls below the standard. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, even, you know, we daft things. I know you're the, you, you're the same, Barry, and I'm Samani, I'd imagine you'd be the same. See, when the weather starts to change and you get to go to Celtic Park in a three o'clock game and, you know, you're not under four or five layers, you start to... It's nice, especially also when you're top of the league and the league is pretty much wrapped up. It's nice going along because you can st- you can go and try and enjoy it a wee bit more. You don't have that same absolute anxiety, maybe. I know there might be some people who are still there, but um, I'm really looking forward to it. I hope that Hatati at least is in the squad. That would be a big boost. Um, Carter Vickers as well. Um, starting would be a massive boost. So I, I don't think we're at a time yet where, um, unless we are in a really, really commanding position. I don't think we're at the stage yet where you see anyone, you know, any of the youngsters start, you know, the guys that come on at the weekend. I think um, with it will be all eyes on A, winning the game, but B, making sure that you go ready for that game at Hamden in a strong position. Um, and hopefully with the starters coming back in, everyone available and really, um, really driving forward. So I can't wait for it. Saturday 3pms are, are absolutely where it's at. And if the weather stays the way it is, then um, I can't wait to be honest. Just love it at this time of the season. Definitely, Samana. I imagine you'll be much the same, but just sort of one Alan mentioned it there. If Hatati um, isn't available to start on Saturday, do you think that sort of really limits his chances of starting the following weekend? Yeah, you would think. You would think he would need to get some minutes. So my guess would be that if he's fit or as close to as fit as, as he needs to be, he would be on the bench, and then you would be wanting you would you would be wanting to come on, you know, in a similar circumstance that we were last week, where the game's won, and uh, he's, he's he's just kind of getting some kind of minutes in his legs and kind of moving about to kind of see where he is. There was a, I mean, again, not getting not wanting to get too carried away. I'm a bit more relaxed about the Hatati situation because of Awata's recent form in terms of slotting into that midfield. Now, don't get me wrong, I would much, much rather we had a fully fit real Hatati in that midfield as well. But there was a period of time, you know, when Hatati went out, we also, Moy went out injured then and Awata wasn't injured. It was injured as well. You saw the bare bones we were at at that point, you know. It was quite quite concerning and you're obviously just desperate to get Hitati back in. Now that they're back, now that we've seen the midfield against the Kilmarnock game with O'Reilly, if you're in a situation where you're having to go in to the semi with McGregor, Hitati, sorry, McGregor, Iwata on O'Reilly, as much as you'd want Hitati in there, you're still comfortable with that. So we're in a bit of a different position, but what a boost you'd get if you, you know, you get that team line comes out. He's in the starting eleven, even better. If he's on the bench, you're thinking, oh yes, you know, because even if he's then in the bench and you're getting some minutes in, at that point in the semi final, if he doesn't start, you're bringing on a fresher Rio Hitati to kind of run them into the ground. So, yeah, it's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. I'm a wee bit, as I said, a wee bit less nervous about the situation with him, but, you know, I'll, 
I'll be looking at you know quarter two, quarter two when that team line comes out just to see exactly where he is. Vickers, Carter Vickers too, obviously. Yeah, it's, it seems to be the case um, this season. I don't know if it is because of the strength of the squad or injuries we've had to key players, but you're desperate to see the, the team lines more than ever. I think like everyone's, it's almost like a, a race to be the first to get it in your group chats, isn't it? Um, <laughs> and and then you, you speed read it as well to try and see, right, is there any big name that I wasn't expecting or is missing or is it a big name that I wasn't expecting in as well? Instead of just looking at it and just calmly going through it, you scan read it and then you read it two or three times after to see what you've missed. Right. Sometimes you're sending it before you've even read it yourself. Isn't <laughs> it? <laughs> um, yeah, so looking forward to Saturday. I think we'll, this wasn't on the rundown, but we'll get a wee bit of time. I think we'll finish with the the usual game where you've got to, to name the players. So I've gone back to uh, a thrashing of Motherwell. It was at Burr Park and it was 1999. So the score was Motherwell 1, Celtic 7. Seven. Yeah, yeah. Um, and before we'll do it a wee bit differently. We'll see. So obviously Celtic scored seven goals. So before we get into the the team lines, this might help and preempt it. So, um, can you give me the scorers? Just this isn't this isn't part. Of, this is just for a bit of fun. So this won't be points or anything. Lubo. Ah, correct. Yes, that was, that was the first one I was going to do. Um, what date was it? Was nineteen ninety nine? Wasn't it? Yes. Mark Viduka. No. I think it was just before he came in. Yeah. Was it? So he'd signed, but remember he went away. Um, he needed mm. to get his head right. So I think this was a February of 1999. February of 1999. Larson then. Aye. Larson scored four. <laughs> right, okay, that narrows it down then. What was a fucking show-off, wasn't it? Always a show-off. <laughs> um, Paul Lambert? No. Manny. I'll give you a clue. So one was a central midfielder, another one was a, a another striker. A young, a young striker around Butchel. that time. Butchel, correct. And you mentioned um, Lambert. Burley. Has, yeah, Burley. So that's the that's the scorer. So Larson scored four. Um, the memorable one was the cross from. A certain player that I won't say his name and um Larson sort of just sort of caressed it past Stevie Woods, I believe. Yes, Stevie Woods was the, the Motherwell goalkeeper. So to finish us off, um we'll go to the game then of um in those days there were three substitutes. So if you can name the fourteen. So we'll start with Samani, we'll go with you. Larson. <laughs> Correct. But I've checked. Correct. Um well, Burley. Gonna say for it. Yeah. Lambert. Correct. Doing well. Mialbi. Well done. Mike Namara. Correct. Mahi. Well done. This could be the best ever. Burchill. Well done. Hey, man, has that not already been said? No. Did you say Burchill now? It was just because he was one of the. Yeah, kept in yourself. Yeah, kept up his sleeve, aye. <laughs> Tells you where I'm at. <laughs> um, 99. Goalkeeper? Gold. Well done, your favourite? 
Aye. So let me see how many you've got. So you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Aye, so you got a few to get. Stubsy? No. Am I right? Yeah, well done. That's a good one. Um, so out of the starting lineup, you've got one, two, three still to get. So Butcher was a substitute. I think of strikers around about that time. And obviously not Baduka because he's gone able. Harold. Yep, well done. Alan? Mm-hmm. Think of defenders. Uh, My back A prominent voice in Celtics um, games just now. Oh, Tom Boyd, yeah. Well done. Um, that's bad form, you know, leaving your captain. That's really, really poor. So I think we've only got one more starter. And then if you remember the goal that I just mentioned, it was another substitute who delivered the cross. Tosh McKinley. Yeah, well done. So when you said good cross, yeah, was, you forget Tosh was still playing in 1999. It's like yeah. watching that on Target video was just a highlight reel of Tosh McKinley. Ah, exceptional funny. cross after exceptional crossing. Right, so... So there is one starter and two substitutes. So if you can get the starter, oh well and good. Wide, uh, a winger. Not a very good one. <laughs> Reggie, blinker. Yep, well done. Seriously? Aye. <laughs> so the start lineup was Gould, Boyd, Reseth, Mialbe, Mahe, McNamara, Lambert, Maravchik, Blinker, Larson, and Bratback. Tosh, um, Burnley actually came on as well for an injured Lubo and Butchel. And so there was actually five substitutes. I, I read that wrong. The other one was a goalkeeper who Martin O'Neill said enjoyed crisps. Stuart Kerr. Yeah. <laughs> And the other one was a young Irish midfielder. Colin oh, Haley. Well done. So, very good. Very impressed yeah, tonight, Very effort. Yep. That was the bad. Um, Respectable. Yes. So, I think we'll round it off there. Um, so, Manny, pleasure as always. Yeah, enjoyed that. Um, thanks very much, mate. Thank you. Alan? Pleasure. Good to see you. Thanks very much, boys. No problem. So, this has been the Cynic Weekly. I've been Barry Gallagher, and we'll speak to you down the road.